0: Welcome back to the Real Life Theology Podcast hosted by Renew. This is Chris with you again today. We have a really good episode for you. Reese Nealand, who is one of our associate directors here at Renew, is going to be talking about the truth around sin. He's going to draw some differences between how culture views making mistakes or sinning and how we as Christians need to view it that it's a serious thing in the eyes of God. Again, we're really glad that you are with us today. Let's go ahead and listen and learn together.
1: Okay, so I have a message that I'm excited about sharing with you. This is something that I preached down in my ministry recently. And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned that. Mary Kay and I live in Pasadena down below, and our ministry meets normally in Glendale. We're in that part of L.A., if you know anything about L.A. We've been there many years, right, Karen? Uh, Karen used to be a part of our church, but she had to get away. So here she's she's been uh, been in Bakersfield for a while now, right? We keep thinking you might come back, but I guess not. No, no, not going to happen, no. Well, I just want to say, personally, Mary Kay and I are so grateful, Karen, that you at least seem to uh, like it when we come, Uh, even though you don't want to be a part of our ministry anymore, but we're not going to take that personally. We're going to believe that Jesus has led you here and that you're exactly where you need to be. Amen. Amen. So another thing I I want to mention before I go on the lesson that that we share is, and if you're new to the church, you might not know this, but we share a love and support of Baltic Nordic missions. If you don't know, those are countries that are in Northern Europe, and we've been doing this for several years, and so there's several other churches that share in this mission together. We support them spiritually and financially, so... Anyway, let's, uh, let's keep praying for those folks. And I love that partnership that we have as well. So, uh, the lesson today, go ahead and turn over to Mark chapter seven. I uh, want to give you plenty of time to get there. And maybe if you're on your phone, you can do that. Uh, I don't know. The the scriptures are probably not going to be on the screen today. Is that, is that, am I right? I am correct that they're not. Yes. Okay. Thank you for making that clear. So, uh, We're actually going to stay in Mark chapter 7. So if you get to Mark 7, you're going to be where we are for the whole lesson today. So uh, I want to start out with a a question for you to consider. Have you ever had somebody love you enough to tell you the truth? And I think most of us would nod our heads there. And uh, maybe even though we didn't appreciate it initially... Maybe sometimes later we did, but the truth is that we have all had that and we all need that people who love us enough to tell us the truth. And so if we look back at some of the most positive, life-changing experiences and times to grow and, and our life to be, get a better quality, it's, it relates directly to people who love us enough to tell us the truth. And hopefully that happened with your parents or your parent, if you were in a, a single parent home. But it also happens in other places many times teachers, uh, coaches, uh, if we have, you know, we're, if we're into sports and maybe even close family and friends and extended family and just people what a blessing it is and how grateful we are. We have people who love us enough to tell us the truth. And I, I think I can speak for myself, and I bet a lot of you can relate to this. Some of you, maybe many of you are Christians today because somebody loved you enough to tell you the truth. And so that's a great thing that we can do as a church and helping other people come to Christ. And many of us became followers of Jesus that way because somebody loved us enough to tell us the truth. And we, uh, we come to appreciate that very, very much. I have a, a story I want to share with you of my own experience about somebody who loved me enough to tell me the truth. Uh, You may or may not know, but I played basketball in college. Uh, That was a long time ago. Uh, I used to be much taller than I am now. And I don't know if you know, but as you get older, Blaine, you you get shorter. So I am about uh, six inches shorter than I used to be. But anyway, no. But uh, anyway, I played basketball in college, and I loved college, and that was my dream. Growing up, that was my dream. That was my passion, and so I worked hard at it, and I became a decent basketball player. And I played in college at Old Dominion University, which is in Norfolk, Virginia, on a on a shore far, far from here. And so that was great. And you know, I was I was a decent player, and I, you know, started a lot of games while I was at Old Dominion, and you know, I was on scholarship there, and you know, we won some games and I scored some points and you know, there was, it, was, it was decent. But I had this dream that I wanted to go even beyond college, I wanted to play in the NBA. Do you know what the NBA is? That is professional basketball. And so, uh, any Lakers fans? No, any Clippers fans? Yeah. Well, what are you? Okay, Warrior, well, there's a, there's a bandwagon jumper right there. Unless you could tell me that you were a Warriors fan more than five years. Okay, then you're, you're legit then. All right. But that's professional basketball. And so I wanted to play professional basketball. And so I got to the, uh, I got to finish my career and at old dominion and such, and they had the the draft and you may know that every, they still do this, the NBA draft and they, Draft the two professional teams pick players from the college ranks that they want to, you know, let give you a part of their team. And so uh, they had the NBA draft then. Now, this is a while ago. So there's some things that were different. Back then, the NBA draft was not on television. Uh, Back then, the NBA draft was not on the radio. Uh, Back then, the NBA draft was 10 rounds. You remember that, Blaine? Did you get drafted? No, you did not. Okay. (laughs) So, so we have something in common, as it turns out, because the draft was 10 rounds, so there was a lot more players that were drafted. Uh, and so the only way you could find out that you got, dra- whether you got drafted is you had to get up, remember this thing called newspapers? They used to have, now you would just, you know, you would use the Google and, uh, you know, you'd get that out and you'd find out, but... You know, they had, so I had to get up early the next morning. I was so excited to to check the newspaper where they had listed all 10 rounds and every player. And I spent quite a bit of time that morning and I went through, I mean, it was very small type, you know, cause they had to get 10 rounds worth of players in there. And I went down name by name, you know, no, 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 no. My name wasn't in there. And that was the beginning of the death of a dream. And that was a big deal for me. But anyway, so I had this idea. Well, I didn't get drafted. And so, and I thought I might, you know, not, I knew I wasn't going to be a high round pick, but maybe, I, maybe I'd get, you know, somewhere near the bottom of those 10 rounds. But so I set up an appointment with my, my coach and he's a great guy. Paul Webb was my coach, wonderful man, a wonderful coach. We really had a good relationship. So I invited him to go to lunch Uh, right after the season there, after I didn't get drafted. And uh, I paid for lunch, which as a college student, that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. But I thought I, so I, and we went to a decent place. And so I, we had lunch and coach Webb didn't really know why I wanted to have this lunch together. And so I said, look, here's the thing, you know, I didn't get drafted and, and you have a lot of connections with the NBA and, so I just want a chance, you know, even if I didn't get drafted, you know, I, you know, they have free agents and you can make it as a free agent. And so what I would like you to do is maybe could you use your connections and maybe you could get me a tryout so that I could, you know, be a, maybe make an NBA team as a free agent. And so uh, he looked at me and he said, well, Reese, he goes, uh, first of all, I, I just want to Tell you that if you really want me to do that, I will do that. I will get you a tryout. I'm sure I can get you a tryout with an NBA team as a free agent. Says, but let me let me be honest with you. Let me tell you what's going to happen. The camp is going to be later this summer, and there's and and you're gonna you're gonna between now and when you go to try out. For the NBA team, you're going to get, you're going to be in the best shape of your whole life and you're going to work hard and you'll probably be playing better basketball than you ever played in your whole life. And you're going to go to this camp and there's going to be about 20 other free agents there and probably they might keep one free agent. There's going to be 20 other people there and you're going to be there two days and they're going to cut you and then they're going to send you home. And it was, it was a tough moment. But I mean, he went on, of course, and he said, look, Reese, again, I'll do it for you if you want me to. But you have had, you know, he said a lot of nice things about me and that I had, I think, really fulfilled my potential as a basketball player. And I just, you know, it's just not, it's just, I wasn't going to be able to go further. And he said, you know, you're Great person, he said a lot of nice things. He says my advice to you is just to to go for go forward, take the next step in your life. And you know, I uh, I accepted that, and uh, I didn't didn't go to that free agent tryout. It's no doubt why I'm not known and famous today. Uh, but I, I went on. You know, the interesting thing, and this is sometimes the way that God works, because in order to find the Jesus dream, sometimes your other dreams have to die. And right after that, when I went to graduate school at the University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida, that's where the Lord worked in my life, and I ended up becoming a Christian and ended up committing my life to Christ and ended up being in the ministry. So, you know, it didn't look that promising at the moment. But what I appreciate is that somebody... And I believe it was out of love. Somebody loved me enough to tell me the truth. The sermon today is, I'll give you the title now. It's uh, The Truth About Sin. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> now, I just want to say if, you, if, if the sermon is too strong for you, and if that topic scares you, I had several options of what I could preach on today, and I, uh, I ran it by Blaine and Eve. And they said they picked out the truth about sin. So if you don't like the message or you don't like me, don't talk to me. Talk to them. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm excited they chose that message. Jesus loves us enough to tell us the truth about sin. And that's a wonderful, that's one of the things that I appreciate so much about Jesus. Truth is an interesting thing. It can be so confusing today. Can it? What is truth? I mean, uh, I'm sure you're paying attention. We live in the day of fake news. Right? I remember a day, and some of you older can remember. I remember a day where the news was 30 minutes and they reported things that actually happened. Right? But now it's like a 24 hour a day news cycle. And, you know, you got people who lean one way politically and people who lean another way politically. And everybody is 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 stretching the truth in order to support whatever their particular view is. And it's hard to even know what's true anymore. And so anytime that somebody speaks or a politician speaks, you don't know whether it's true or not. So then you got to have a fact check. And then you got to fact check the fact check. And this just goes on and on. In fact, it's so interesting about truth. This uh, You may have know this, this comedian host hosts a late night television show, Stephen Colbert. He coined this phrase a few years ago. It's called truthiness. And so the idea is, and so it's, it's what's the world we live in, is that you know people say things and people report things that sound like they might be true things that you wish were true things that you would like to be true or hope that are true. The only problem is they're not really true. There may be a grain of truth there, but it's not the full truth. And then we live in a world where truth seems so subjective. If you understand what I mean by that. In other words, uh, you know, a popular phrase today that uh, we get encouragement from the world sometimes you need to live out your truth. And so, your truth may be different than my truth. It may be the opposite of my truth, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that you live out your truth as if there are things that, I mean, you wonder if there's anything that you can really say is true anymore. So I'm just going to stop right here and this may be where you, where I start to lose you. But no, there's some things that are matters of opinion. There's some things where there can be different viewpoints, but there is a thing called truth. And whether you, if it's something that's true, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or you don't believe it. It doesn't change whether it's true or not. And I am a person and many of you I know are people, we believe That God's word is true. And we believe that whether you agree with it or like it or not, whether I like it or not, I got to be honest with you. You know, there's times I read stuff in the Bible and maybe today will be one for you and maybe one for me. And I go, you know, I don't really like that. (laughs) You You ever thought, you know, I'd like to rewrite some parts of the Bible You know, there's a lot of it I like, but you know, surely is there some parts that we can edit out of there? And of course, that's what a lot of the Christian world has done is they've edited out parts of the Bible. And we're going to talk about and Jesus, everything Jesus said is truth. Doesn't matter whether you agree with it or disagree with it. Doesn't change the fact. It's truth. So Jesus is going to tell us the truth about sin today. And uh, that's going to be refreshing. It, we, we really need those clarifying voices. Otherwise, you know, it's uh, it's just really easy to be confused. And what I hope you figured out and I figured out is I'm not smart enough to, to find truth and figure out truth and no truth on my own. You know, I need some help. So God's word's here to help us. Jesus is here to help us. Are you in Mark chapter 7? You should be because I, I told you we're going there a long time ago. All right. So this lesson, and we're going to start reading in verse 14, but let me just summarize for you what happens in the first 13 verses there. We won't read it, but Jesus has started his ministry and he's got his followers, his disciples, we call them uh, apostles, a handful of people who are really committed. Him. He's got all other people that are in the crowd that are interested in Knowing about Jesus, and maybe they're going to be followers, but they're not yet. And some of you may that may be where you are today. And but then there's also these Jewish religious leaders, the le- religious leaders that were entrenched in that world when Jesus burst on the scene, and so they uh, they had a conflict with Jesus. They had a problem with Jesus because Jesus was preaching some some truth that they didn't necessarily appreciate or enjoy. And also Jesus was becoming more and more popular, and so people were leaving you know, their care as their Jewish religious leaders and coming over to Jesus. So they were always looking for an opportunity to discredit Jesus. So what happens in the first part of this is they're just sort of going through things. And so they notice that Jesus and his followers did not do the ceremonial washing of hands before they ate. And it's, it may seem strange to you, but for the Jewish, there was a tradition, the Jewish people that, I mean, washing hands is a good thing, Leo. You should do that on a regular basis. But they had a specific way that you were supposed to do it that was a spiritual, as a tradition, it was part of your faith, and did not do that was regarded as a serious, uh, perhaps even sin in that culture. And so they said, well, Jesus, why are you and your disciples not, uh, not, not following this traditional ceremonial washing of hands? And so Jesus is very honest with them. He says, you know, here's the problem. You're following your traditions. You are nullifying the word of God because of your man-made traditions. And I got no use for that. And in fact, you are hypocrites because you're claiming to be following the Lord and God. And yet you're making up these man-made traditions. And on top of that, you're ignoring obvious things that are in God's word. Like take care of your mom and dad and honor your parents and all that that means. And you found a way to excuse yourself from that and rationalize that. So you don't have to do that anymore. Jesus. I love that about Jesus. If you don't love it yet, I hope you do. I hope you come to love that. Jesus is full of grace. Amen. I need an amen on that. Because what hope would any of us have, right? But he's also full of truth. He's full of grace and truth. And so Jesus calls him out. And uh, it's quite a conversation there. And now we pick up the story in verse 14. It says, Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. We'll stop there. So Jesus had this interaction with these Jewish religious leaders. So we don't really know how many people, there was a crowd there. We don't even know how many people in the crowd were actually heard the conversation that Jesus had with them. But it really makes Jesus think, you know, there's something, there's something really important here that I need to let everybody know. So he said to the whole crisis, come on, come, come come, come on, come on, everybody pull in here tight, okay? How many people were there that day? And then he makes this statement. Nothing outside of a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. He's obviously referring to, you know, they were all concerned about the outside, the cleaning of the hands. And Jesus says, let me make sure you understand something. Our problem and our challenge is not the stuff that's coming from the outside. It's what's inside of us that's coming out. That's the problem. You see where Jesus is going here? And so it might not even have been completely obvious where he was going. In fact, it's very interesting. I love these conversations that, that are in there for us with Jesus and his his close disciples, his close friends. You know, they're just, they just it's encouraging sometimes. Because what we find is that just like us, they frequently didn't get it. You know, they're a little slow sometimes. So he says, he says this to the crowd. It says, after he had left the crowd, we're picking up verse 17, and entered the house... His disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Now we're going to go on and finish up. But Jesus, again, loves them enough to be honest with him. He says, they, they, they say they at least are are, are are courageous enough to say, you know, Jesus, we really didn't get what you meant when you talked about the outside in and, you know, it should be the inside out. We didn't really get it. Jesus loves enough. He says, you know, I know at least part of the, your problem and I know it may be a problem for you today. He says, you're still dull. He says, are you still so dull? Now understand this, what he's not saying, he's not saying they're stupid. What he's saying is, because of where your heart is at, you are not yet fully able to understand and embrace what I'm trying to tell you. And that's where we are sometimes. And maybe you've been there before, and maybe you've been there for years, and maybe you're there today, but sometimes... If your heart is not where it needs to be, the word of God makes no sense to you and it has no impact on you and you just don't get it. I mean, I remember clearly I was that way for many years, but I remember going back to when I first became a Christian, when I went into graduate school there, I remember this experience where I repented of sin and I turned my life over to Christ and And I was saved and I was forgiven and I received God's spirit to live in me. I had read the Bible for many years, but all of a sudden, all the stuff that never made sense before now made perfect sense. You had that experience? It's like, wow, I could. I've read these scriptures all my life. I'd grown up going to church, but now they started to make sense because of where my heart was at. So Jesus, you know, his disciples here, even his clothes, they're still a work in progress. This is early in the ministry of Jesus. So he goes on to say. He went on because now he wants to make it very clear to them and to us. What he's trying to get through to them. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. He's already said that now. This is the third time. For from Within out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And notice this last sentence. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean Jesus gives a list of some of the things that are sin now if you read your Bible much you're going to find that there's actually a lot more than this and you can go over to Galatians 5 and you can go over to Colossians 3 and you can go here in first Corinthians 6 and You can get these lists are throughout the Bible and some of them have repeat things. Some of them have new stuff. Jesus just gave him a sampling of some of the stuff. And what does he say? The evils that are inside of us that come out as sin. You know, you look at that list, don't you? And. Some of those are pretty obvious sins, right? Murder. I'm hoping I can get agreement from everybody here today (laughs) that murder would be a sin. Thank you. I feel more comfortable here. I'm going to go ahead and stay up here for a couple more minutes. But he also mentions like things that are obvious and maybe in, you know, like, you know, theft and, and lying and, you know, sexual sin and sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage and, you know, all that. But he also mentioned some things that are purely things that are really just in the heart. Like jealousy, envy, other places it talks about hatred. Here it talks about pride, arrogance. All this, kind, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff, but you know when Jesus talks about sin, this is the truth about sin. Notice that last sentence. All these evils, he says, all of this stuff, the stuff that's most obvious, the stuff that's comes with neon lights, you know, the stuff that you know we all agree on, and then the stuff that maybe not so many of us agree on, and we have a harder time accepting it, and. You know, and and Jesus says all of that, all of it. Is what? Evil. And comes from inside. That's the truth about sin. Sin is evil. You know, we live in another, this is part of our uh, age, I guess, that we live in now. You know, uh, people, it seems, don't. Commit sins anymore. They make mistakes. Right? You see it all the time on the news, you know, some politician, some celebrity, somebody gets caught with their hand in the cookie jar, you know, so to speak, and things come out, and it's bad stuff, and it comes to light, and what happens? They, they get with their public relations people, and they make a public statement. It goes something like this. Yes, you know, they I said, I... I did, I did, I made a mistake and, uh, everybody makes mistakes, you know, so they try to put it off on us too. You know, like everybody makes mistakes and now, you know, what we needed, what I'm going to do and what I want you to do and want you to let me do is I just want to move on. Right? Sin is not a mistake. Sin is evil. See, I came way up here to Bakersfield and love you enough to tell you the truth. It's the truth of Jesus, of course, right? A mistake is when you are going somewhere and, you know, your GPS says turn right and you turn left. That's a mistake. When you make an addition or subtraction error, that's a mistake. You ever made a mistake in uh, the, the, the your, your checkbook, balancing your checkbook? Now, a lot of you probably don't even know what a checkbook is. And if you have one, you haven't balanced it in ever, you know. But I'm one of those crazy people, Blaine. I, I like to know how much money I really got. So I balance my checkbook. And, you know, because I do it all by hand, you know, I make mistakes. And sometimes I make a $10 error. And sometimes I make a $100 error. And when you make that error, you just hope it's an error in your favor. But those are mistakes. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to love you enough to tell you the truth. Until you embrace the fact that your sin, whether it's stuff that anybody ever else, maybe it becomes obvious to other people, or maybe it's just all rolling around there in your heart. Jesus knows, God knows, I may not know what is in your heart, and I'm pretty sure I don't. And, you know, frankly, I like that. Uh, I don't really need to know everything that's in your heart. What I need to try to figure out is what's in my own heart. But whether you know that or not, that is the stuff, Jesus says, I'm loving enough to tell you the truth. That's the stuff that's killing you. That's stuff that's eating you up from the inside. You know, this is what we need to understand. It may or may not make sense to you, but I bet it'll make sense to you. Maybe if you, if you think about it and, you know, just let it sit with you for a while. Maybe Jesus, maybe the Lord loves us enough to tell us what sin is. Because he knows this is the stuff that's tearing up our lives. And maybe it's the stuff that's destroying us and our character and who we are. And maybe it's the stuff that's destroying our relationships and it's destroying our marriages and it's destroying our friendships and it's, it's, it's hurting us at work. And it's, it's the stuff that, and I think if you take a little time and look at this stuff, none of the stuff that Jesus talks about here is a blessing to your life. Can you see that? Maybe Jesus, I, I, there was a time and maybe you've been there when I was younger, of course. And I was just getting introduced and I was just figuring out life. And, you know, my, my sinful heart was starting to come alive and, you know, children are so precious, but the problem is they don't stay children. Uh, You know, they grow up. And so, and so, you know, you grow up and, 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 and you start to experience sin. And then I was a teenager, I remember, and I was like, you know. I was going to church. My parents I said all the stuff I really want to do is the stuff that they're telling me is sin. What's up with that? And it seemed to me like God was just trying to ruin my fun. Just take my quality of life and destroy it. But when we get a little older. Hopefully we're getting a little wiser. No, no. This is the stuff that's destroying your life. And it may be obvious, and and, and maybe maybe it's going to take a little time, but this is the stuff that's really killing you. Let me say one more thing. I'm trying to make this practical for you. What Jesus is also saying here, the truth about sin, is that nothing outside of you is causing you to sin. But you know what we like to do, don't we? We like to blame other people. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. When you sin, it's not, there's nothing, there's no outside people or outside forces that are causing you to sin. Now they may be a source of temptation. (laughs) And they may make it more difficult. But it's your sin coming out of your heart. So here's the bottom line, folks. Church, visitors, people are here for the first time. It's not your mama's fault. It's not your daddy's fault. Children. It's not your parents' fault. Parents, it's not your children's fault. Yeah, see a lot of children, they like to I've been on both sides of that. You know, when I was a child, I blamed everything on my parents. Then when I became a parent, I want to blame it on my children. Right. It's their fault. They're the reason that I sin. No, it's not your boss's fault. You know, you got health challenges. Some of them, they're serious. You got financial challenges. You got job challenges. Workplace challenges. Those are real. I wouldn't minimize any of that you know we all got our story don't we but here's the thing jesus says if you're sinning and even if you got sin in your heart it's not those situations actually you know you may not realize it yet this is the kind of truth that jesus said i have come to set you free because you know what if you always if you're always blaming everything that that's wrong in your life and your sin on somebody else, you know what you are? You are a victim and you are a slave to what other people do and what other people say and what your life situation is. Jesus says, I got the solution for you. Just look at at yourself. Look at your own heart. You can work it out there and I want to help you. Well, seems like I've talked long enough. I mean, it's not like I don't have more to say, but I do want to leave you. I do want to make sure you understand this. I believe with all my heart that the gospel of Jesus is good news. And the truth about sin is the truth about sin. But when we embrace it, there's a great, there's some great news. For you, Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus did not come to condemn us. Jesus came to save us. Because we're responsible for our own sin, we have condemned ourselves. We are self-condemned. The judgment that is on us because of our sin, we brought on ourselves. And Jesus didn't want to leave us that way. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why Jesus lived. And that's why Jesus died. And that's why Jesus gave us the opportunity to be saved. And I can be baptized into Christ. And my sins can be forgiven. And I can have the Holy Spirit come into my heart. And He's going to help me with this stuff. And the Holy Spirit's going to enable me to be transformed. And I'm never going to be perfect. Perfection's not part of the plan. But the blood of Jesus is powerful. And so when I see my sin and I accept my sin and I embrace it, the reality of my sin, that I get up and I pray and, and Jesus forgives me and uh, grace is new again in my life and my life just gets richer and richer. And I tell you, somebody has been a Christian for decades now, it's, it's lots of sin since I got baptized. But you know, that's just the blood and the grace of Jesus still flows. But He is serious. He asks us to do this. Don't, don't treat my, my grace, don't treat my blood that was shed for you like it's cheap. It's not a license for you to sin. And I can tell you one way, this will, I'll make this my last statement. Hard to know where to, where to stop, Blaine. So much to say. And now I don't even, even remember what I was going to say. What was I going to say? Oh, I know what it was. One of the ways that you know somebody is a real Christian is that they take their sin serious. And if you understand, if you think that I implied that not everybody who calls himself a Christian really is a Christian, then you heard me correctly. There's a lot of false religion and a lot of false Christianity. It's not Jesus-based or Bible-based. One of the ways you know somebody who's a real Christian is they take their sin seriously. And That's what you need to do, whether you're saved yet or not, whether you're coming back to the Lord after being away for a while, or whether you're like Blaine and you've been Christian since Moses was a baby. <laughs> you know however long it is we got to keep and that's true just as true for me and Mary Kay as it is for any of you we got to take
0: keep taking sin serious that's the truth about sin thanks for having me today. Thanks again for joining us here at the Real Life Theology Podcast by Renew again today. We have our weekly podcast every Tuesday like you're listening in today. Maybe it's, you know, any day of the week you're listening, but every Tuesday we're going to drop a new episode. And for a couple more here, it's going to be Reese teaching. Thank you, Reese, for providing this content for us today in the next few weeks here. We have some really exciting things going on here at Renew. I wanted to just let you know about really quick. This year we are rolling out regionals, so we're coming to different places in America. We have one in L.A., one in Phoenix, one coming up here in Atlanta. And we're just excited about what this is going to be able to do We're going to be able to bring a lot of the great content and speakers that you get at the national gathering, but on a smaller, more intimate scale, we're going to be able to do those around the country. And also make sure to check out our national gathering. It's going to be April 25th and 26th in Indianapolis. We have an awesome host church up there. We are just pumped up about what's going on up there. And so many great churches in the area are joining in. So go ahead and check that out. Go to renew.org. And we just encourage you to get some tickets, bring your team And yeah, thank you again for joining us today. We will be back with you on Tuesday.